Well, hey guys, welcome to the show. Uh, this is a bonus episode, so no fancy music, no whistle. I'm sorry. Um, maybe you can just kind of hum it in your head if you know it. If you're new, um, this isn't the norm. So uh, the last couple of weeks, we haven't had any episodes, mainly because I have been busy hunting and doing family stuff. But I wanted to give you a little update on just kind of what's going on in my hunting world and some of the fun stuff that's been happening. Um, and I just want to first off say I hope that your season's going well. And I want to let you know, I posted this probably about a week and a half ago. If you have not shot a buck yet, if you're a whitetail hunter, um, you're probably actually in the majority. I want to tell you, sometimes it gets really disheartening. I have been disheartened um, myself over the last couple of weeks. You see a lot of people shooting bucks. Seems like everybody that you know has shot one except for you. But the reality is, I actually think most hunters probably don't punch that buck tag if they're trying to go after a halfway decent buck. Um, it's just the reality of things. Sometimes it's just challenging to do that. And uh, it just kind of depends on what your goals are. I think the main thing that I've, I've had to kind of do over the last few weeks is just kind of take a step back. I've had to do this a couple times and just remember what it's about. If, if my goal is my goal to kill a nice buck, absolutely. But that's not the overall goal. My overall goal whenever I go into the woods right now is to try and just go and enjoy myself. Um, go and just see God's creation. This morning, I got to witness just an absolutely stunning sunrise. Um, just breathtaking. Partly because it was so cold, <laughs> but mainly because it was just absolutely beautiful. And so I just want to start off the show, uh, this little bonus episode, by just encouraging you, hey, if you haven't shot a big buck yet or whatever, um, it's not the end of the world. It's okay. If you've shot a doe, that's an awesome thing. You've got meat in your freezer. Um, if you haven't done any of those things yet, just keep at it. I have been blessed this season to shoot now two does. And I've told you the first story. So today I want to tell you the second story. And it's it's pretty cool as well how it all shook out. Um, so I have had some encounters with some bucks. And I'll tell you those stories as well. Right before, uh, I think the last episode, I did have probably one of my best encounters. Travis Shire, myself, Bobby. Uh, in a tree, buck stops underneath the tree, won't step out. I told you about that story. That was a very close encounter with a nice buck. Um, probably one of the closest encounters <coughs> with a good buck. Um, but there's been a couple times where I've almost shot a smaller buck. Um, I went out to this property where I saw about 16 uh, deer the one day and uh, decided to go back and give it another go in the morning. Got in there and got up in the stand. And sure enough, probably about 8.30, three does come busting out of the thicket in front of me out through this open field across the little creek and come right up to the base of my stand. And I can see horns. I'm sorry, I keep saying horns. I need to learn this. I know it upsets some of you. Antlers. They're not, they're not horns. I know that. I, I get that. They're, I saw antlers. Um off in the distance, and I knew that these does were being chased. And so immediately heart rate goes through the roof, trying to calm myself down, don't move, don't let the does um, you know, get boogery and mess things up. Well, they, they go down to my right-hand side, and they, they're headed toward downwind, which I know isn't good. Well, in comes this buck, and he is grunting. And he is definitely not a very big buck, probably a small – I can't remember if he was a an eight. I think he was a small eight, but not very big at all. But he's grunting, uh, probably a two-and-a-half-year-old, and I tell you what, he got me excited, and I thought, you know what? I'm going to shoot this deer. I've hunted a decent amount this year, not as much as last year. I've done better, but still, I'm like, I'm going to shoot this deer and call it good and get it all on film. Well, he crosses the creek, I get the camera pointed, and I should have at that point just drawn my bow, but I was waiting to make sure that he went 
where after the does and i knew he was going to do that i don't know why i didn't draw in that moment um, but he crosses the creek i wait just a second he starts to head toward the gap and i'm just about to draw my bow and all of a sudden i hear <laughs> the doe must have either caught my movement or caught my scent and she blows and i i try and draw real quick he sees the movement out of the corner of his eye and he trots off out of my life and so i did not get that uh, buck at that moment so I go up to northern Ohio for Thanksgiving, um, enjoy Thanksgiving with my wife, kids, her grandparents, had a great time uh, with their folks, and went up to northern Ohio, and I've been trying to learn this property over the last 12 years, and it occurred to me sometime in the last month that I have not ever shot a deer on my in-law's property. Um, I've had opportunities to shoot some does, I've passed some does. Last year I had some great encounters with some giant bucks, and uh, that's what I was hoping for this year. Well. They've swapped around, obviously, where the, the soybeans were last year was corn this year. And, and what made last year so good where I was hunting was that they had just cut a cornfield and I had access to property that hardly anybody hunted at that point. This year, that is soy that has been tilled under already. And I think they've planted winter wheat and it's definitely not the same property over there on that side. But down the road behind my brother-in-law's house, uh, he's had some decent pictures of some nice bucks. And so I thought, you know what? It's the time. I'm going to go in there and I'm going to shoot either a buck or a doe. I am going to go in and whatever I what, <coughs> whatever comes first. Uh, my mother-in-law said that she would be happy to have some deer meat. She's never really ate a whole lot of it, I don't think. And I thought, you know what? If I can provide meat for the whole family, that'd be awesome. So that was that was the goal. Um, got up super early and it was just windy. And one thing about Northern Ohio, there are not the hills like there are down here in Southern Ohio that, that to block the wind, it just, uh, a 15 mile an hour wind just cuts through the fabric of your soul. <laughs> and so I thought, well, I'm, I'm going to give it a go. Um, I took my time, got over there, pulled in the driveway and the wind's howling. I'm like, Oh, and it was like 25 degrees, you know, it's, so it's just brutal. So I decided, you know what? Um, I'm just going to wait a second and then I'll go in, but I had plenty of time. Um, and so here's the setup and I want to kind of give this to you. Just, just, I don't know. It felt good the way this all played out. So, uh, about two weeks before this, I'm hunting the rut in this spot. And, and like I said, my brother-in-law had some trail cam pictures of some nice bucks right in behind his house. He put his house right up against the wood line and, um, it's mostly, um, excuse me, a, a strip of woods that's right next to a big, uh, cut cornfield. And most of the property up here at my in-laws is kind of like that. It's mostly like, I'd say 75 to 80% of their property is open fields. The rest is timber that borders some pretty good hunting. And so you're just trying to catch these transition areas. And so last time I hunted it, I, I went in and I went in too far and I bumped some deer and there's this big ravine that kind of starts about a hundred yards behind my brother-in-law's uh, house and it goes a long long ways and it gets deeper and steeper and on the other side of that ravine um, is this path that goes down to this creek bottom and on the other side of the path if you're following me at all <laughs> kind of hard to describe but on the other side of that path is uh, what they call the metro parks metro parks own it and it is a no hunting zone um, and that's where I, I just obviously without with no pressure I feel like a lot of deer go over there and there's just been a lot of pressure a lot of pressure on on that uh, my in-laws property there. So 
uh, that hunt that I go in behind my, my in-laws, um, I noticed a lot of deer on the other ridge back there. I moved over there and I finally figured out where the does were crossing. They were crossing from Metro that night, going across right in behind my brother-in-law's house within like 125 yards and going to the cornfield that night. And I witnessed all this. So it took me about two hunts, uh, actually three hunts on one hunt in the morning, just bonehead mistake in the morning. I tried to access the woods by going through the field. Well, those of you who hunt fields know this, the deer are already there, especially if it's been recently cut. So I bumped a ton of deer out of the the field that day. I was just sitting there kicking myself. That was one of those regroup, refocus moments because I was hating hunting and hating my my choices at that moment. So all of that, those hunts, I guess it would be three different hunts led to Black Friday and led to me realizing also that I haven't killed a deer in 12 years of hunting uh, up around there. And um, so I go in, I get about 125 yards and I'm on the ravine. Uh, Let's say I'm on the side closer to the cornfield, not closer to the metro parks on the ravine. I set up with the ravine to my back, uh, kind of off to my left a little bit, and I'm kind of facing, looking toward uh, just the far end of the woods and it's pretty you know a lot of timber down through there real thick and then off to my right would be the cornfield and it's cold like i said very cold and i'm just kind of passing time and it doesn't take long and i at first let i had a deer skirt by uh, probably about 60 yards out I think it was a doe but i couldn't really see it and it went right where I, I thought it would go right in front of me i thought okay i'm in i'm in a good spot and did some recordings, did some video stuff. And then at 7.30, I look off to my left just a little bit and coming down the woods, my direction are two deer. And initially I kind of misjudged them. I thought the first one was kind of small. I thought they were two small fawns. Turns out that it was a doe and a yearling fawn behind it. Um, I think yearling. It, it looked, you know, looking back in the video, the doe did look, uh, the second doe did look kind of young. Um, but in that moment, I was just fixated on that first deer, big, mature uh, doe. Um, and I, <laughs> once I realized what she was, that's what I locked in. I was like, okay, here she comes. And instead of coming down the nice, easy path in front of me where I can just grab my bow and just get the camera on her and all that, she swings behind me and she's actually going to cross the ravine in a very steep location. Uh, so kind of shocked me a little bit. I wasn't planning on a deer going there, but still, if you're in a saddle, um, it's still a strong side shot. So all I got to do is just kind of rotate out to my left. So I get the camera pointed in that direction. Uh, I turn on the GoPro on my, um, bow mount. And then I also turn on the GoPro on, um, uh, my tether, which is kind of rear facing one. And so I, I was trying to get all three angles and all that stuff. You know, I've been trying to get better at the filming part. Well, she stops behind a tree and I look up and the, the GoPro on my tether is not, not turned on. So I thought, do I have time? And I made a risky choice right here, kind of kicking myself actually. I mean, it could have easily gone the other way, but I realized that I got the tree between me and her mostly. So I reached down the right-hand side, pulled my phone out of my pocket. It's got a hook on it. I hook it onto the uh, my, my gear strap that's kind of around the tree. And one of those hooks is facing right toward my face. And I hit my camera button real quick, turn it on rear facing and hit record so I can get a live action, not pre-recorded, not post-recorded, but a live action recording of me drawing back my bow. Why anybody needs to see that, I don't know, but I like the footage. So that's what I did in the moment. This doe comes across two gaps and she was kind of quartering too. I draw my bow. I've got the cameras turned on this time. It's recording. (laughs) And uh, she came across the last gap that I had. And I'm pretty sure she was not going to come on around. She was going to cross that ravine. 
And so I stop her right? and I, I may have rushed the shot just a little bit. I had a limb that was kind of out in front of me, so I had to duck down just a little bit. And I didn't have a chance. Well, I had a chance. I did not range the spot that she was in. Um, I had ranged everything else, but I did not anticipate a deer going across the ravine right there. So I held 20 yards and I squeezed the trigger. I got a lighted knock. I see it go just back a touch. And she runs off. Uh, she doesn't go across the ravine. She kind of comes the way, goes back the way she came back through the timber. And I watch her a long ways. And immediately I don't, <coughs> I feel like I've made a decent shot, but it's one of those I'm, I'm just not sure. And I'm listening for the crash, listening, listening, and I can't hear the crash over the wind. Um, so I'm just unsure of it, but I'm like, I know she's dead. And the good news is like, we didn't have to leave for until like 24 hours later. Like I knew I had time if I needed to, to let her sit. So I did some record uh, some videos and, uh, you know, kind of did a post interview kind of thing. And I decided I'm going to wait, get down and check the, the arrow here in about 45 minutes, half hour to 45 minutes. Sometimes you feel like it's been a long time and it, and it really has only been 15 minutes, but I'm like, I need to wait. I need to make sure that she's definitely, I don't think she's crashed close, but I just want to make sure I don't mess this up. <coughs> Excuse me. So I wait, text some friends, you know, text my wife, say, hey, I shot a deer. Pretty sure I got it. I climb down slowly, pack my gear out, um, and um, I start walking toward where I made the shot. Come to, I, I ranged it, and I realized this was the other part. The deer was actually at 25 yards instead of 20. Not a huge difference, but I was holding that 20-yard pin right on her, and she was further than what I thought she was. Um, she did duck the arrow just a, a smidge, but um, so that may have actually helped some. But I, I still feel like it was a, a decent shot overall. Like I knew it wasn't just straight guts, but I also knew it wasn't you know a double lung. Um, it didn't appear to be. So I get over to the spot where my arrow is. It takes me forever to find the arrow. I had to go back and actually look at the footage on my camera to realize that my arrow was another 5 to 10 yards past where I thought it was. And it wasn't like buried in the dirt. It had kind of gone through her and then just kind of like went flat. Um, and I get out there and I find the arrow, but not just the arrow. I find a ton of blood. I'm using G5 Megameets, 125 grain broadhead. And uh, they're expandable broadhead. And I... A long time ago, I became a believer in G5. Um, once again, no sponsors on this show, um, but just letting you know what I use. Um, my buddy Trav gave me a G5 T3 way back in the day, and I have not looked back since. Um, those T3s did a great job, and then I they upgraded them or changed them and made them into the dead meats, and then they made the dead meats even bigger and made the mega meat. So first though I killed this year, shot with a dead meat. This was the mega meat. And I want to tell you, on impact, it just looked like blood everywhere. I don't think I've ever seen that much blood on impact, just as far as how far it spread out, just where she was initially standing. Um, and so I get out my <coughs> – sorry. I've been dealing with – that's the other thing I've been dealing with the last two weeks is a cough. I've had to suck down a ton of cough traps over the last two weeks just not to scare every deer in the county away. So I get out the binos, and I start glassing, start walking ahead. I grab a drink here. Okay, better. So I'm just going slow. And I recently started carrying binos with me whenever I hunt. Um, I tried it on the chest. I don't like it like elk hunting. Um, just being in the saddle, it was uncomfortable. I didn't like how it get hung up on my bridge. So I just keep them in the side of my pack. So I got those out and I just started glassing because up there, it's flat. I can see a long ways and I can see about 150 yards 
And there's out in front of me, there's uh, where that ravine is off to my left or behind me, it goes up and it cuts into another ravine going uh, now perpendicular to where I was sitting at. And so I'm kind of looking down in that ravine as much as I can, trying to look across it. And I, I go about 10 yards, I stop, I glass, I go another 10 yards down the blood trail. And the blood trail, I mean, it's out both sides, it's easy, and I'm like, I, this deer has to have crashed. I go only 20 yards, and I look up, and I can see way, way out across the ravine on the other side, I see a deer lane. And so I still was pretty cautious, I was <coughs> very happy with how I played this, I took my time. And I go down into the ravine, or I get almost to the ravine, I look, and clearly she's she's done, she's not just bedded, she's she's dead. Um, and she went clear down across this ravine and up to the other side and expired on the other side. And it was just like, thank you so much. I know she didn't do it for me. I know she didn't mean to do it. Um, I know climbing out of that ravine is probably actually what helped do her in. But she was up out of this ravine, so I didn't have to uh, carry her out, which I was grateful for. Got over there, did some great video stuff, and um, just took some moments to enjoy it. Um, 12 years I've hunted that property. 12 years I've gone back into my uh, in-law's house. My mother-in-law, she's she's a goofball. We get along great. We've always joked together. She always asks, well, where's the deer? And I always say, still in the woods. And that every single time she does that. And this is the one time I walk in the house after this is all over, said and done. And I'm like, she's like, she doesn't say anything. I'm like, hey. She's like, I was, she's like, what? I was like, you got to ask me the question. She's like, oh, where's the deer? I was like, it's hanging in the garage. <laughs> and that just felt so good to say that. I know it's just a doe. I know this is just a doe story. But to me, it's like, I, I don't, guys, I got to be honest with you. I, I host a hunting podcast, but I, there are times that I do not feel like I am a very good hunter. I make some boneheaded decisions walking through open cornfields uh, whenever I know that deer are eating out there, set up in the wrong location, play the wind wrong, don't draw when I'm supposed to. I just make some terrible choices as a hunter sometimes. And I've been doing this long enough that I wish I was better. And I know this, I am getting better. Um, this is proof of it. I, I picked a spot. I'm not used to hunting flat topography. I'm used to hills and ridges and trying to play those things. I'm not even really good at that. But up there, it's just taken me a long time to kind of figure out. It used to be I would just ask somebody. I'd ask Uncle Kenny, Uncle Kenny, where should I go? And he'd tell me to go hop in this stand and I'd go hop in that stand. And then I got into saddle hunting and got mobile and I just wanted to go to like the deepest, farthest spot. And I'd go into these deepest, farthest spots and it wasn't the right time or it wasn't the right wind and I would mess things up. So last year I got my brother-in-law. I put him in a spot and uh, it was a good spot, played the wind right, and I got him his first deer on his second ever sit. And that felt really good. And then I got myself on some big bucks playing on the cut cornfield over on the other side. This year it's changed, so I had to adjust, and it took me three hunts, but I'm like, this is where I think a deer is going to cross, and I had a deer come within 25 yards of my stand, and I made what was actually a decent shot. I uh, hit that thing with uh, those mega meats, blew a giant hole right through the middle of the liver, and this deer went 125 yards and crashed. I am certain that it died within 30 seconds. Um, just the blood trail, it never stopped, it never bedded down. It went across that ravine, got up to the other side, and died right there. Um, and so I felt good about that. You know, it wasn't a double lung, but it still was a very quick, um, quick fatal shot. And so I was just grateful for that. And then also, um, what was kind of neat is the next day I spent cutting this deer up. Um, and it wasn't just going to be for my consumption. It was going to be for my in-laws as well. 
Uh, my mother-in-law said she wanted some. My brother-in-law, since I shot it like right behind his house, he said, I'd take some too. So I did tenderloins and back straps, and I, I cut some roast, and uh, then the rest was ground into burger, and um, uh, Cousin Nick helped with that. And so it was just cool cutting up this deer for the family for them to try and figure out what they like. And tonight, my family, uh, we tried the deer heart. Still, uh, if you got a great deer heart recipe, please send it to me. I've tried it twice now, and I'm just not the biggest fan. It's kind of like liver to me, and I don't like that texture. Um, but I've tried two different recipes. I'm willing to keep trying stuff. I would love to use more of the deer, like the heart, uh, which a lot of guys swear is amazing. But uh, I tried like a whiskey glaze thing that Meat Eater recommends, and it wasn't my favorite. But but the backstrap, I'm getting very, very good at cooking backstrap. <laughs> and my family ate it up tonight. They loved it. I made it a little uh, green bean casserole on the side and uh, some rolls, and it was just a really good dinner and really enjoyed that with my family. And I just love being able to eat, you know, eat the meat and enjoy it. Um, early on, my wife and I, we'd cook it and it, it was kind of gamey. I didn't know what I was doing. Um, and just, my wife didn't really enjoy it. And now she's like, man, this tastes just like steak. And it, it, I mean, it was amazing. And so I, I think a little bit about, uh, to kind of wrap this all up, Ecclesiastes chapter three, uh, Ecclesiastes 3 verse 1 and 2 says there is a time for everything and every purpose under the sun, a time to born, a time to die, a time to plant, and a time to harvest. Uh, what was neat to me about this hunt was a lot of guys, you know, they use that term, I harvested a deer. And that's what you you check whenever we do our game check. It says, you know, date of harvest. And so on Black Friday, I was able to harvest um a mature doe that is now feeding my family and not only my immediate family, but also my in-laws. That just feels really good. Um, I'm just grateful that God gave me that time because sometimes people don't, (laughs) people don't have the time. People don't have, uh, the, the land that I'm able to hunt. I'm able to hunt some amazing properties and I can get so frustrated sometimes because I'm not shooting booners and doing what other guys on social media seem like they're doing. But I step back and I think, I've shot two does this year that are that's feeding my family. That's and, and I've been on just about every single hunt. I, I need to add it up, but I would say out of twenty some hunts this year, um, I've probably been skunked maybe two or three times. I don't even I can't even think of what hunts those were. I have seen deer just about every single hunt that I've been on. I'm incredibly blessed. I know that there are some states, my buddy Bobby comes from North Carolina. I mean, he's hunting some public land and it is some hard, hard hunting. You can hunt for days and not see a deer. And so I'm just, I just step back and I think about Thanksgiving. I think about my life and I am just absolutely grateful to God for the blessings that he shares. Um, Time in his creation, I've always said this, even if I don't see anything, time in his creation, I, I need to learn to just appreciate. And I feel like this year I am doing a better job of that. So uh, the next time, I will tell you this was exciting. Went back out to that other property where the cut soybeans were, um, and I decided I'm going to dive in. I know that there's deer there. I bumped some the last time I was there, <clears throat> so I'm just going to dive into the middle. I've already got my two does. Might as well just go into this property and see what happens. So I got in early, got up in the stand, didn't see anything until about 8.30, 9 o'clock, and all of a sudden, it's like the floodgates of deer heaven just opened, and deer started running everywhere, running around my stand, couldn't even keep track of what was going on. It's just pandemonium. And finally, I realized after about 20 minutes of these deer kind of disappearing and coming and going, there were bucks involved, obviously. There were three young bucks pushing about 
seven or eight does all around this property. And they just were running. And eventually I got my chance. Uh, three does came cruising right past my stand, 100 mile an hour. And I look behind them and here come the buck parade. There's two small bucks. One of them is a decent eight point. In fact, I would actually say that that buck might even be bigger than the buck I was going to draw on a few days prior that I told you about earlier in this, this uh, ranting <laughs> episode. And um, so I come to full draw. And I had ranged the spot. It's 40, uh, 40 yards, which is about, that's my b- bottom pin. So that's as far as what I want to shoot is 40. And this deer, I have to go up and over my bridge on my saddle. I'm kind of turned sideways and I draw on them. And I got other deer that watch me draw. And so I know it's just a matter of seconds. Camera is pointed in that direction. So I feel good about the footage, but I just didn't feel comfortable in the tree. Also looking at the buck, I just didn't feel like he was very old. And, and for some reason in that moment, I, I could have taken the shot but it just didn't feel right. I I wanted to let the buck go. I knew that there's bigger deer out there. I know I have a few more opportunities up my sleeve. So I gave him the pass and I watched him and that other buck go and they chased those deer all around for another 20 minutes. And it was just absolutely amazing. And I was just grateful to experience some late November rut action. So that's what's been going on. I've done a few other hunts, but nothing super exciting. Um, It is gun season in Ohio. I did take my bow out this morning, saw a few does. That was it. Um, I might pick up a muzzleloader at some point, but probably not till muzzleloader season. I, I just... I really want to shoot a buck with my bow. And I'm at that point where if it's a halfway decent buck, I'm probably just going to gain some more experience and let the arrow fly, depending on the property where it's at. Um, I don't want to shoot a young one that I want to shoot next year or whatever, but I do have a blessing of having several different properties where I can shoot probably a a decent two and a half year old to three and a half year old buck. And I can be happy with that. So we will see what happens. I do have an actual guest lined up, so you will not be stuck with me next week. Uh, We will have another guest coming on the show and I'm excited about that. And so we'll get back into the swing of things here in the next few weeks. Thanks for hanging with me tonight. Hope once again, that you're being safe. You're having a great season and, um, That's it. That's all I got for you tonight. So we'll look forward to talking to you next week. And until then, remember to shed the light.